everyone, and welcome to the third episode of It Was All a Stream. I am your host, Chris Sachs, alongside my dear, dear cousin, Neil Carroll. Welcome back, everybody. We have so much to discuss. We're going to get into Hubie Halloween. We're going to talk a little bit of the boys. We're going to continue our Mandalorian rewatch. We have suggestions that we made to each other last week that we got to go over this week. It's just, we got a lot to cover and a lot of nonsense to say. I think we should just get right into it. Let's do it. You and I both watched Hubie Halloween. Oh yeah. What were your thoughts? I have many thoughts. Um, Interesting movie for Adam Sandler. Like it's it's his first like movie in a while. Like where he's made he's making a film. He's not making a Adam Sandler movie. And here's what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. So he brings back like the whole crew is his normals, right? His regular let's make a show. Yep. People. Um, he adds Julie Bowen, who hasn't been back since Happy Gilmore. Yep. Um, and for some reason, it's only in Adam Sandler movies that I like Julie Bowen. I have, really have no use for her <laughs> elsewhere. It's the truth. I, I wrote that down. I was like, huh, this is the first time I've enjoyed Julie Bowen in a while. And I watched her on a couple of different shows on, um, she Modern, was on Family. Boston, Modern Family. And she was on Boston Legal, which is a show I love. So my, the first thing I noticed was which is fitting because it was my suggestion to you. It d- didn't Hubie Halloween kind of follow the same beats as Halloween. We have an escaped convict. He's yeah. in a jumpsuit. Right. They you did don't play see on that. Yeah. They, they did. Yeah. They did play on that. Definitely. That was, that was definitely an aspect that they took. Yeah. So I was enjoying Agreed. that. I was enjoying that. Should um, we, should we also clarify right now? Like spoilers. Yeah. Are we spoiling Hubie? Let's do a spoiler We're doing spoiler a overview of, of Hubie. Spoiler overview. You know, listen, we're on quarantine, people. Uh, you're going to watch this movie. All right? That's what's going to happen. It's already number one in, on yeah. Netflix right now. You know in their it was top fun. 10 ranking. It was ridiculous, but it was fun. So that's like the yeah. overall theme, right? It was yeah. fun. I weirdly really liked it. I enjoyed myself. So I haven't I. seen an Adam Sandler movie in a while. That's where I was and going it with this. is like, listen, it's trash, but it's like good trash. It, it was Without good. Doubt. I enjoy, it was closer to the old Adam Sandler movies, like the Happy Gilmores, the Waterboys, the yes. Billy Madisons than Adam Sandler has been in a, while. in a very long time, even though it still did straddle that, you know, that line of, of the more recent yeah. Adam Sandler films that he's Here's done. Why I still like enjoyed that. this more. And to your point, mm-hmm. they brought, he brought back a lot of the old players yes. that haven't been in one of his films in a while. And I loved the connections that he made to his Adam Previous Sandler films. verse. You yes. had um, the O'Doyles are back. The O'Doyles O'Doyle are back. Rules. I have that ben note. Ben Stiller made his cameo. Wait, as but the, 
nurse. Yes. From Happy, from Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. He's the same character. Yes. Same name. Plays same the same exact character. Same mustache. Exactly. So I I I thought it was really good. I it was so. Good. I enjoyed myself. Mm-hmm. I weirdly so. There's I, two. There's two people you missed, or there's two drawbacks you're missing. Oh, go they're for it. Awesome. Let me know. All right. So one, not drawbacks, but callbacks. First, and he hasn't been in an Adam Sandler film uh, since. I think he was only in one other one. George Wallace, the mayor. Yes. Little Nicky. He was Little the mayor Nicky. of New York City I knew he Nicky. was in one, but I could not remember yes. what it was. And part two, do you know who Hubie is? And you are go- it's going to blow your mind hole. Who Hubie is? No, yes. Hubie is the exact same character and you see it in the film as the canteen boy canteen boy and hubie are the same person in a flashback in hubie halloween he wears his boy scout uniform and it's the same uniform same patch same troop number and he uses the same voice as the canteen boy interesting canteen boy now was that just like a a shout out to canteen boy or do you think it was i think it is absolutely canteen boy same voice same that's hilarious same thing and i think they threw that in specifically well i think the the most important thing to discuss about this movie well one is that it was actually like I laughed way more than yeah, I than would I have I thought. Would. Like yeah. I was keeping track of all the things that made me laugh. And it's, it's a list. Yeah. It's a list. And the one thing, I don't know why the one gag that kept getting me was anything he did with the thermos. Oh, I don't know why that was funny to me, but it was every it was single unique. time. It was a unique thing. Like, why have it? It was hysterical. Now, yeah. that brings the question for me. My random but important question for, for this that we mm. really need to dive into and put a lot of thought in. Yeah. I feel like his thermos, Hubie's yeah. thermos, rivals that of Thor's hammer. Oh, my God. Captain America's shield. <laughs> if anything, deep I think it goes beyond Stop your what madness. can't the, the thermos, thermos do? do? It's everything. And I love at the end, there's thermi, there's multiple thermi, thermoses, thermouses. Yes. That is awesome. It's you had it a, rivals, it rivals the hammer. You had a thermos telescope, a thermos shovel, a thermos, a thermos, thermos grappling hook, a thermos drill, thermos blender. Thermos blender, uh, thermos loudspeaker, Very true. thermos pepper spray, which was great. There were a lot of, of thermos items. A lot of thermos items. I thought it was a really cool, like a unique MacGuffin. It's like it really has nothing to do with anything in the story. It's just kind of a fun right. aspect, which was nice. Uh, but here's the other thing. This is the first time since little Nikki 
that Adam Sandler has done a voice as a character for the duration of a film. Which is why I think it felt think. like his old days. Did, did he do anything? I didn't watch it, but did, what about that like Sandy Wexler movie that he did? Sandy Wexler. He doing like he was. I know he was a weird character. Was he yeah. doing a weird voice for that? He though? was turning on like a bit of uh, like a exaggerated agenty voice, like gotcha. New York agenty voice. But this is like like in Little Nicky, he did the the lisp the entire time. Right. This movie, he does the canteen boy voice the entire time. Yep. And in his old like Happy Gilmore, Happy Madison stuff, um, or Billy Madison. He's not doing a voice through the whole film, but he's got that, like, I'm a man-boy voice mm-hmm. for the duration. So it, it felt like, oh, okay, he's doing a thing again. He's playing a character. Because lately, he's just been be- being Adam Sandler in his movies. Correct. So this was nice. The other Correct. guy who I enjoyed because he wasn't doing his normal manic I'm the big fat guy, so I'm going to roll around and be extra nimble and people will be mm-hmm. surprised, was uh, King of Queens guy. Why am yeah, I Kevin him? James. Kevin James. Yeah, He was he, just he was kind just, of subtle. Yeah, he was just funny. there. He was yeah. there. He was almost playing like the straight man a lot of the time. Yes. Even though he was kind of an absurd straight man. character as well. Right. Um, yeah, I thought he, he was really good. I loved June Squibb. Yes. As, yes, as as a, and every shirt that she had oh on was another gag was hysterical every love, single shirt that oh. she wore was great um <laughs> i i thought the the twist that they had of the psychos yes like they both escaped and the one was just Rob Schneider was just looking for Steve Buscemi and they weren't actually killing it, kidnapping anyone. That was hysterical. Um, I love that Steve Buscemi, like that was perfect because Buscemi was way too normal when we first meet him. You know, I'm like, okay, what's, you know, this is like interesting, but Steve's got to be doing something crazy. He does not disappoint. His yeah. I'm a werewolf routine is genius. But also, it's nice that, because he is obviously the senior partner, like he's the oldest guy in the cast. Mm-hmm. But it, it does not show, man. Like he is no. being weird and fun. Like Steve Buscemi still got it. Still got it. Still I got thought it. the just the ensemble that they had was really – they were really the high like adam sandler he did his thing but i probably laughed more at the the ensemble cast that they had and just really all the sight gags that's more what it was there weren't really a lot of like specific lines that i was laughing at even though there were a few but it was more of just like the slapstick stuff that they were doing that that always got me for whatever reason without a doubt um also ray liotta unnecessary but fun unnecessary like, but he was fine he's he was like fine. you know he doesn't have to do so i love that he's comedy. like like the, the reason for his rudeness is he's illiterate or he, he's right. just like he uses a lot of big words yeah upsets me i just love it i love to at the end with june squibb's speech oh. and she's like you you don't like 
Hubie because he's smart, because he cares for people and has friends, because he has sex hope. That was hysterical. That I was, was dying. Uh, oh. Just, I so enjoyed good. it. I am shocked to say, but like, listen, knock Adam Sandler all you want. This was a rare film that he did that he wasn't on vacation for. Right. Um, you know, he, listen, people obviously like him and especially with what's going on right now, people could use a little, like, this is what people needed. Yeah. They needed to just be like, this is ridiculous. Let's have a good yeah, time. I need to watch something completely stupid and mindless. Let's put on also, Halloween. And, and of everything that happens in that film, the, although they sell it well, the thing that is most absurd and unbelievable like where I, where I can't suspend disbelief is that Julie Bowen is going to end up with the, the canteen boy. Yeah, that was weird. I'm but like, she was like, mm. she was also kind of, a, see, I thought in the middle of it, like, oh, it's her. And it's okay. funny that they l- eventually led you down that path. Right. And then it ended up that like, it, it was still, it was a good twist. But um, I think she was like crazy enough that her character was crazy enough that she would be into Hubie yeah, for whatever right. reason. But my, what, what I couldn't really buy into was the fact that if she was so crazy about Hubie, why she would ever be with someone like Kevin James's character. Right. Like, because they were two complete opposites. Diametrically so, opposed. I'm, I'm kind so of with fun. you on Good that. Good movie. A lot of fun. Hmm. Also, hey, first appearance of Keenan Thompson in an Adam Sandler film. Yeah, interesting that this was mm-hmm. his debut. He was solid. You know, he, he didn't solid. do anything crazy, yeah. but he was he was a he was a good addition. I laughed really hard with Shaq, oh. uh, being the uh, female Shaq. radio announcer. That was a funny bit that they did. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, Rob Schneider was Rob Schneider, right? He, he did what we expect. Exactly. In an Adam right. Sandler movie. We were wondering when he was going to come in. So. Again, and a couple other call outs or shout outs to horror movies. The mayor did not want to cancel. Yes. And that was Jaws. Mm-hmm. And he was wearing the funny sport coat, just like the mayor in Jaws. It was like it was an absurd color and everything else. And where did uh, Hubie live? Salem. On Elm Street. Oh, interesting. Lived on Elm Street. So it was a nice it was a nice cool. call out. Nice Yeah, nice yeah they out. did they did a good job with their with their references. Obviously it was still a comedy, but they right. they did their references and, and did their thing. Adam Sandler. Put a good Excellent. one on on the books. If you haven't seen it yet, sorry for spoiling it, but it's still mm-hmm. worth still worth watching. Uh came out this past week on Netflix. Let's move on. Because we get again, we got a lot to cover. Yep. The boys. All right. Yeah. You binged. I did. I binged. Binge. You... Like made it all the way through. Oh yeah. The season finale just occurred on Friday. Yep. For season two. <laughs> and it was something. It was again. This is going to be spoilers. You have to be with us. If we're assuming you're caught up on, on the boys right now, because we're talking the boys season two finale. That's right. I mean, if you've missed it, 
go watch it uh, in the in the um podcast description wherever you're listening i have the topics we talk about and when we start talking about it so if you haven't watched the boys skip to the next segment something that you have watched so just just in case i don't want you turning it off or anything like that you could still listen um the boys i'm ready what are your thoughts you start off on this one what are your thoughts here because i i have an interesting opinion so i personally felt like i enjoyed season one more than i enjoyed season two 100 percent. i felt like a lot more happened in season one than season two did i still liked season two i thought (sighs) part of it is that they they shifted homelander from being the main villain to us like he's someone they have to have throughout the show so they need to introduce a new villain and i thought stormfront was a really good like big bad for the season but they didn't really like her turn to being a Nazi was very sudden. Like they, they never really gave it enough time to breathe. I I just felt like they didn't like kind of pace that very well. It was almost like they flipped the switch and okay. She's, she's by the way, she's a Nazi. So here, here's the backstory on her. That's my thing. So like, Again, first season was great. It was enough to keep me like coming back. Second season, it kind of lost me because I feel like it was it was moving too slow. They sped up character arcs too quickly, but the actual show itself, like we don't need this scene. I don't need to have silence while you contemplate something or listen to you work this out. Um, but they're doing things that are timely. So turning her into a Nazi, you know, very reflective of what's going on now where there's a lot of, uh, you know, unrest. Turning, um, uh, oh, oh man. Oh, the deep joining like this cult. Yep. And, you know, evangelizing and all that. Again, very timely, having this demagogue kind of mentality. So I get it, but it was too like it was too much and it's not fitting together. So again, spoilers by the end of it, we're kind of down a lot of people, you know, so we've lost, we've lost, uh, I call her hailstorm. What's her uh, stormfront stormfront. Okay. Star girl exonerated. The other one, I forget the, the, the other girl's name. Maeve. 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 And you've got, Homelander, which it's ironic she turned into a Nazi because like Homeland, Homelander, the Nazis called their group the Fatherland. Mm-hmm. I, when I first started watching the show as like a, a history teacher, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh, Homeland, this kind of has this twinges, this doesn't sit right. That, that yeah. name. Um, he's the worst person ever. Of all time. Of all time. I love his final scene in the series the series now <laughs> is ridiculous oh my god it was ridiculous just like i it, just it, so depraved oh depraved pleasuring himself on the top of a building looking out at the world saying I repeatedly i could do anything, I, I, could want. Do anything right. I want out 
outrageous. Well, it just shows like how horrible of a place he's in for all the power that he right. has. And at, like, he can do everything except for the very, like the most important things to him. Like he can't have the, the woman that he Wants. loves or whatever yeah. in season one. And he actually has to kill her in right. his mind. He can't have the second woman that he loves. He can't have a relationship or raise his child Son. the way yeah. that he wants to um and turn his, it's a weird story because like he wants a a better upbringing for his son than he got because he knows that his son has powers like him but at the same time he wants his son to be just like him right which is a, a horrible which is what everybody thing. else is afraid of right but but just just to hop back for a second, did they ever actually explain she's not a Nazi, right? They they superimposed all that stuff? No, no, she is. So she's a hundred years old. Yes. So she was That was all real. She but, she explains earlier in the show, like when she when it's officially like confirmed is yeah. when she basically like confesses everything to Homelander. Like but I like, was married to Yeah doctor the original doctor vaught and his plan was originally to supply um compound v for hitler right and so she got the gonna... first hit of compound v exactly okay and that's, that's why i, I guess she survived for so long but you have like all right so i guess that would put the timeline and then right she in. played um she was like an old superhero in the the seven and mm. she did some stuff and they kicked her out. And right. then she came back as a new superhero, new superhero, even though she was just the same person. Right. All right. Yeah. Cause she was, that was cray cray. Um, but again, and here's the danger. And I said this when my, when we first talked about it last week, when you, it's like writing for Jesus. So when you have all the powers in the world mm -hmm. and you can run as fast as you want and kill anybody with your laser eyes or, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's boring after a while, because in your mind, you're just like, just kill this person. Like you can snap right. your fingers and be done with this. Like she shows them the, the thing like, Oh, if you do this, I'm going to release this tape and all that. I, I'm just, just, kill her like what well, you know and yeah yes and no and, like you know. obviously there could be contingencies if anything yeah. happened to her it would get released or whatever i think it's actually a i think as far as that's concerned they they're pretty smart about it mm -hmm. because they've basically established that if there's anything in this world that homelander cares about it's his popularity and people loving him yes. especially because he never received it ever so he'll take right. any that he can get even if it's fake or on the surface or whatever it is so but that's where they're blowing it because he'll take it all even if it's fake or unearned or anything mm -hmm. so why isn't he becoming the despotic ruler of the planet because he's uh, he doesn't I, I feel like that 
changes people's opinion of him. So yeah, like but, he would he was he was slowly going that way right. with with yeah. Stormfront. I don't know if he realizes that that's something achievable. With but, but like he that he could because, be both the all-powerful right. ruler that forces people to mm-hmm. love him and just be like he's trying to be what everyone wants him to be is really what it is beloved exactly but the other thing that they're blowing is unless it's like the first episode of the next season because they've really kind of lost me it's like what is the compound v antidote what is the kryptonite you know what is the uh silver bullet what if he's just all powerful and impervious to harm why do we have a tv show where are we going i've never thought of that that's a that's a good point i wonder if they will eventually introduce some sort of there's a weakness to homelander or something like that because all these you know the el pollo loco guy from breaking bad it's what are we by the way he shows up in another show that we'll get to that we've Mm -hmm. been discussing but he's had a storied career so he's at the top of this business. He's a human dude. All the employees are human people. I, I think, again, what they're trying, what they're attempting to do, though, is like it would work this way because, right. yes, he doesn't have any superpowers, mm-hmm. but he has all the power because he's in charge of the money. Yeah. But again, that's why, like, like historically human dictators it doesn't matter about the money because when they become the dictator they just have everything they want whenever they want it that's fair so they're losing me and that like i see you're making a point i get it yeah but they're losing me because at this point we're two seasons in he knows his capabilities he understands that he can be the top of everything and just wanting to be liked is not a, is not enough for me anymore it's like all right if he wants to be liked, if, and, and, you know, season three has to be, I'm taking over the world and you're going to like me because I say it and, and I can dispatch you all quickly. Yep. I, yeah. There has to be, and I'm sure, like, I haven't read the comics or anything like that. Mm. Um, I'm sure there has to be something Scott. that Vought has as a contingency plan. If, because ultimately, he, here's what... Yeah would happen so homelander decides you know what screw it i'm just gonna take over yeah can't have that right so the the first thing that would come to mind was is well vaught controls the compound v so Mm -hmm. they just make an army or whatever to take on homelander and if you overpowered him enough, he's just one superhero versus yeah. however many superheroes you have, he would lose that battle. So then logically, Homelander would go after Vought and the Compound V because really that's what the power is. It's whoever's controlling the Compound V. You see right. it with which is enough, ma- with right. um, Stormfront. She's mm-hmm. trying to control the Compound V to build her Nazi army. You right. have Homelander in past seasons. He's used it to make super terrorists so that again to build him his image yeah. he has people his to thing fight. made sense hers like from a, a nazi 
you know, master race of it all. I get, mm -hmm. you know, what they're trying to do with the storyline. But his thing was, I'm going to create a supervillain so that I still have a job. Right. Okay. Her thing is like, I'm going to create an army of, 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 you know, super soldiers and this and that. But there's no, like, you're only going to get a half a dose so that you have this power or so that you're less powerful than me. Like, I still don't, we haven't seen anybody that's like Homelander, except his son, potentially. Mm -hmm. um, we haven't seen, like, do these people age? Because Apparently not. Well, Stormfront doesn't, at least. Right. So that doesn't make any sense. How can you have babies? We're going to give babies this compound V. They're going to grow to be 30 and then stop. Come on. And then if they give out all this compound V, why do you want everyone to have the same powers as you? Then you're vulnerable. Like his plan. That's why it's stupid. Like his, <laughs> it is. it's like your Homelander, stop them from releasing this. Like you want to be the only one. You want to be the most powerful thing on the planet and, and then make everybody else deal with you. Like the plan is dumb. And yes, it's not working he, from a story. But the, well, but again, like that's not what he wants. Ultimately, mm -hmm. he doesn't want to be the most powerful. He wants to be the most loved. And there's right. a difference between the two. He, and the problem, delights. the fight, the battle with that yeah. is that no one would ever love his true self. Right. So he has to put on a facade that he's this great person and what he thinks people love when really in the background he's doing horrible despicable things because that's who he truly is and he's at least self-aware enough to know that you know he that people aren't going to love him for him right yes it's uh, yeah i mean i will come back for season three but they're going to have to do something good in season three to keep yeah. me because they also missed the golden opportunity. Like the boys is this band of misfits that comes together to deal with these people. But like in episode one, when they catch uh, the invisible man, essentially, I thought their whole purpose was, Oh, we're going to be the soup killers, like the superhero right. killers. Right. And they didn't become that. Well, I think like, so that's what I did weirdly enough liked about season one was that it was going down that line. Like right. they took out a couple of superheroes and I thought it was going to be about like finding their funny. weaknesses and, you know, yeah, they got a little, you know, steered off of that because of butcher's wife and, right. and that reveal and the, the, kid and all of that it's obviously they've now kind of put that that they ended they that that storyline's finished right. so and you had at the end of season two um you had the federal agent offer like mm -hmm. i'm building a team like you can stay on she offered it to butcher she offered yeah. it to um mm she you know yeah. so like huey's going off and that's a whole nother we got to talk about that he's Huey. that was a interesting twist um there as well um but i would imagine that that's what it's going to end up 
being next season. The only thing I know confirmed for next season is that they're gonna they're bringing one character from the comics. I think they said he's basically like their version of Captain America. Okay, which could be an interesting dynamic between like Homelander Homelander and Captain America, and if Homelander's getting replaced, Um, and then obviously you had at the end you find out that the lady with the exploding head power is the politician who's trying to take down Vaught. So that's interesting. And now Huey's going to work for her and in politics or whatever. So that was unexpected. I don't know if it like did much for me. Like I thought that was going to be a much bigger reveal. She didn't seem like that big of a character. Um, But yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious because now, obviously, he'll ha- he'll discover that she's who she is and everything else, and then that'll be a bone of contention. Maybe mm-hmm. that brings him back over to the boys. But you know, good show, good concept. It's not, you know, I know they're gonna have their spinoff. Season two did not help me get to the spinoff. I'll just say that. Okay. Okay. You know, so I'm curious about season three, but they really got to step up their game. Well, we'll we will we'll stay tuned and we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens, and you know, I'll definitely be watching season three just because I'm in, I've invested in seasons one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I thought it was fine, but it was not as good as season one. Season one, I loved. Yeah. Um. All right. What do we got? Something Moving that on. we both agree that we love. <laughs> yeah. Let's continue. With our Mandalorian rewatch. Let us do it. We watched episodes three and four this week. Three and five. Quick recap of the two episodes. Uh, In episode three, we had Mando returning Baby Yoda to, uh, what's his name? Herner Wurzog. Herner Wurzog, his character of the empire ex empire yes remaining he's lingering around right. um with him and his stormtroopers and he gets his uh he gets his beskar steel yep. from him as payment goes to his little bounty hunter guild and the queen of the bounty hunters she is also the best uh armorer in, in right. the world. Uh she creates her his full suit now. He's got a full suit of armor of the Beskar metal. Um and then he's starting to get a little he's feeling a little guilty. Goes back to Carl Weathers. He wants another bounty. He's about to leave. And then he sees that little knob that Baby Yoda was playing with from the ship and it Reminded him of all the fun times he had with Baby Yoda yeah. over the course of 24 hours. And right. He goes back and he rescues Baby Yoda almost single-handedly until the end when the town of bounty hunt- hunters are all trying to stop him. And his bounty hunter guild come and rescue him. And he's able to fly off with Baby Yoda to... Whatever that farming planet is, uh-huh. where they farm shrimp. Shrimp. 
Yes. Which like Krill. Excuse me. Right. And it's it's yeah, it's like a Vietnamese you know, village planet. Yes. And th- that's where we get into the now like the choose your own adventure portion of this season. Correct. Which is fun and I think probably the better way to go. So Herner Verzog, first interesting choice. He's known as a director. He's a foreign gentleman. He makes a lot of foreign movies. Um, he was an interesting choice for as an actor for that role. Yes. He's known as the client. Okay. Right. The client. But he has some kind of grand moff position from the previous empire. Mm-hmm. Makes sense to me that there's empirical remnants. Okay. Of course. Because just like, just like, you know, when they threw out Napoleon in France, you know, they got rid of him, they exile him to his island. All his followers and the people in his government, like, you know, the, the, the governor's secretary and the, you know, the sheriff of the, you know, whatever, they don't just go away. Like right. they're still there. Some, somebody's got to keep the buses running. Right. So all the, like, it makes sense that there are these people out there and that they would kind of take over regions and become mini warlords. And be in like the seedy underworld yeah. and, and stuff you like know, that. They become yeah. the crime bosses and all that. So I like what they're doing. It makes perfect sense. It's a way to keep the empire alive in our minds because we remember it. And it, it's like, okay, this is still the world I'm familiar with. Makes perfect sense. Stormtroopers. Interesting to have fully uniformed stormtroopers, which right. appear at some point. Um, but, you know, that probably wouldn't be the case or they'd be, which we learn kind of later in later episodes. It's like, you know, they're no longer clones, which they weren't really in the empirical times because they disbanded the clone army. Yes. They died out and they started, uh, you know, basically hiring people to be in the suit. So you get... You know, you get people from planet X that have no future and they decide, oh, yep. I don't, you know, I'm going to wear this uniform. All right. So client gives them the best car steal. Another aspect I'm happy about because in a post empire world where it's like, okay, we're only five years after the empire. There's still remnants. We don't have a new currency yet. Imperial credits are gone. Now they've got the Republic, whatever. So that would be like in our world, no matter where you are in the world, gold spends. Right. You know? Yeah. Only That's, if you could, you know, if people needed armor and people were right. make, and gold was the most protect. It's like vibranium. Like a precious metal, right. Like so, from right, the, the Marvel Universe. Yeah, exactly. Like where it's just indestructible, like indestructible, really good. Hard to come by. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense to me. It makes sense that that would be what he'd ask for as a, as a um, fee. But he absconds with the baby Yoda. I think the most important thing about this episode is why does, why does, he, why does Herner Warzog, the client, want baby Yoda? Which, yeah, which we do find out that it's for who we mentioned before from the boys, exactly. Giancarlo yeah. Esposito. Esposito. Um, I, I actually had a question for you 
a couple questions that related to again the 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 bounty hunters little tribe that they have one they the his you know mando's friends or whatever seem annoyed that he got this beskar metal that it's empirical beskar steel um Mm -hmm. Because uh, apparently their world was ruined by the Empire. How, how was it ruined? Like, what's the connection there, if there is one? Or so, are they turning yeah. this, uh, is this originating here? Well, I mean, it, it's it's definitely, like, they've talked about it. There's been some mention of it in previous canon stuff. This is, they're fleshing it out for the first time. So the Empire didn't want a planet of warriors so they they kind of abused the planet they mined on the planet for stuff and they kind of scattered these guys to the wind so that they wouldn't be as powerful as we see them become Mm -hmm. excuse me so that's like that's their anger with the empire the other thing that i got out of that is they're jealous like oh you know we don't have you see their ragtags their uniform is ragtags so it's like, oh, this guy's going to have the best stuff now because he's doing, you know, he's, he's part of our guild, but he's also an outsider. Like he does his own thing. He's not joining with us. He's not hanging out in the basement like they are. Right. So that's what I got out of um, My second question regarding the bounty hunters is yes. that the, the, the bounty hunter queen. Yeah. That, that I like to call her. Is she force sensitive? She because you be see sensitive. her move stuff mm-hmm, without mm-hmm. touching it mm-hmm. um, at one point or like stop them from fighting by, you know, just force I stopping think, them. Um, yeah. Is she force sensitive? And do we think she's someone we know? So, all right. I think they did a good job of making us ask that question because she like puts her hands up and she says enough or whatever and they stop but did they stop because the force stopped them or did they stop because of their respect for her we don't know exactly like she has this kind of ability but they the mandalorians are they were kind of designed to fight force sensitive people like Jedi's and the Sith and all that, like that's their skill. Their mm-hmm. skill is we are the people you call to take these people out. We're fast, right? So we can out, we can kind of outmaneuver their force quick enough to deal with it. Um, but yeah, it, it, like especially go back to the cartoon. There are some of them that are force sensitive. This the queen might be, depending on how old she is. Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi had kind of a thing with their queen, the actual queen of the Mandalorian world. Uh, but she, you know, depending on how you perceive the canon of the cartoons, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's her. Who do you think it is? I don't know who it could be. I'm, I wonder if it's, you know, an ex-Jedi or someone from, you know, 
from uh, like the Clone Wars cartoons or whatever it is because mm-hmm. they never re- reveal who she is. And I don't think it's really like a big like question mark yeah. that they're trying to present on the show, but it was something that I was curious about. I don't know if it's something that people have really thought of much. Um, right. I also was wondering, so more questions about the, the bounty hunters. This Word. should be my last one. Yeah. Is like why is their organization like so progressive when it comes to foundlings? Is it just because they're all yeah. they all were foundlings at one point? Yeah, because they got they got uh exiled from their own homeworld. Like there yeah. was this genocide of Mandalorians. So I think they're very empathetic to young people of all creeds that are orphans like they're you know they have nowhere to go so we're going to bring them here we're going to give them a way to follow yeah that's what i think progressive is a good way to put it here here's going to be my unpopular opinion about this are you about that uh is that i feel like bounty hunters are kind of less cool when they're so structured and organized like they are yeah. in this show. Yeah. Like they're supposed to be rogues and you know, that's what we liked about, uh, Boba, about Fett. Uh, Boba Fett and all yeah, that. He's a badass. Like in this show, they've made them so, or, and they have strict guidelines that they follow and well this you know is what the way and and all but that stuff the, and like that's yeah. not as cool as just that's Mando the being a, okay so are all of them mandalorians or those people in the uniform that look like you know our mandalorian yeah they're mandalorians okay but the, all okay. the bounty hunters aren't right that's i guess that's what i mean because there's the guild that he's a part of the guild they all happen to be mandalorians right and the guild makes sense because i just wasn't sure if they just happen to be like elite bounty hunters from all over the universe or whatever right they are mandalorians right just bounty happen to do this and yeah living and and i don't think all of them do but like gotcha. the guild makes sense because even in the movies, you see multiple uh, bounty hunters. Like in Jabba's palace, yep, you see a bunch of like the scum of the universe kind of gather because they know he's always got work. Right. So we're gonna we're gonna go where the work is. We're gonna go there because he's always got somebody he needs to collect from. No, that's good. See, I'm glad that we're rewatching and that I'm I'm working through this. Like I'm yeah, I'm through it. learning more. Just. <laughs> as a, as I'm I'll be your guy watching it. That's the universe, it. I love it. Yeah. Um, so we'll get into episode four. Mm-hmm. He lands on the yeah. Krill planet. He mm-hmm. meets the um, the ex rebel term mercenary. Um, I forget her name. What is her name? Cara Dune. Cara Dune. Um, he realizes that there's a village where they need his protection because mm-hmm. there's. Um, raiders who keep raiding the village and they have happen to have an atst is that right Mm -hmm. okay cool they happen to have an atst which is not ideal for when you don't have any kind of weaponry to to uh, defeat it 
but they end up setting a trap for it and teaching this village of people to become warriors in about an hour. So episode four was a nice callback to Return of the Jedi, where we teach a bunch of Ewoks how to take down an ATST and NADATs and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. It's like, you know, this is a civilization of, of Care Bears that are yes. using sticks and rocks and somehow defeat the Empire. It, you had to suspend disbelief yeah. for Episode 4, or for Return of the Jedi. But Episode 4 of Mandalorian was like, okay, you know, this is familiar, but fun. They have their new take it, on it. It was almost like a little bit of a palate cleanser. Yes. You know, a let's do this cleanser. little story, like, yeah. oh, you learn a little bit more about Mando and that like mm-hmm. he can't take his helmet off and right. you know it gives them a little bit of hope because you see oh my god here's the life that they could live if if they just stayed they and baby Yoda seems happy but of course by the end of it they were found out and honestly the worst thing that anyone has ever done in filmmaking in yeah. a very long time is show a sniper scope on the face of baby yoda that was like that's tragic tragic (laughs) he obviously survived but still too much but look too far not for nothing every episode so far has just given us everything we want from baby absolutely like there is a moment or several moments in every episode where it's like oh this is perfect Yep. Like that's all oh, I just want to see. So him precious. Wrinkle his brow. So precious. So I, you know, we're in the bag for this stuff. We really don't have, you know, adverse opinions yet tonight. We've been talking, but, and, and, and like I said, we're in the bag for star Wars stuff. Oh yeah. Well, Episode, we won't have an adverse opinion on, on any of, a, any of the Mandalorian. It's just, we're this. just enjoying it. You have to respect that in four episodes, they have made us, stop wishing that the show was about Boba Fett. Because Absolutely. Boba Fett I, who? Exactly. I started the series like, why do this and not have it be Boba Fett? What is the point? And I immediately uh, turned myself around. Do I want to see Boba Fett? Do I think he's coming in the next season? Yes to both questions. But Ooh, Interesting. Yeah, because in canon, he crawls out of the Sarlacc pit. Yes. Um, so I'm all for it, but I definitely, I'm definitely good with not having, you know, not having it be Boba. Still deserves his own movie, though. But that's a different story. That's fair. Also, in that village, not many prospects for the lady who falls in love with Mando, huh? Yeah. She literally doesn't see what Mando looks like. And she's like, no, I'll take him. I'll take him. I'll take the guy. I don't know what he looks like. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Suspend of disbelief. Interesting. That's the way it works. Uh, all right. Well, are, are, we, are we feeling good about our, our Mando rewatch? I f- think we're feeling good. I think all we're right. feeling good. So we are going to continue that. Obviously, next week with episodes five and six, we hope that you watch along, whoever the one mystery person that listens to our podcast is, that isn't us. Um, In the meantime, we can quickly go over some news. So since we do have so much going on this episode, Mm. 
we're not going to do a stream it, skip it, or save it to the watch list. Um, but we do have one big story that came out this week or this we past week. Um, and that has to do with Spider-Man 3. All right. After finding out the previous week that Jamie Foxx was joining the cast of Spider-Man 3, yes. last week we found out that Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange will also be in Spider-Man 3. Benedict Cumberbatch? And reports are saying they don't know how much he's going to be in the movie, but they're saying that he's essentially going to be like taking over the Tony Stark role as mentor to Peter Parker. Interesting. Now, a lot of people are thinking that this only just continues to confirm the multiverse theory that, right. you know, Dr. Strange's movie is going to be the multiverse madness or whatever it's called. It's based on multiverse, multiverse stuff. Madness, right? You got Scarlet Witch who she's creating her own reality in her show and she's going to be in the Dr. Strange movie. And then right. you have someone like Electro coming from a totally different Spider-Man universe is going to be in this movie this all seems to tie together and confirm that we're getting some sort of Spider-Verse. Agreed. I think the mistake... So first, Jamie Foxx said, I won't be blue in this one, though. He did say that. So maybe he's not coming back as Electro. Well, he is coming back as Electro. I think that's confirmed. Uh, He just said that he won't be blue. All right, interesting. I think the mistake is... If you're bringing back a character or if you're multiversizing a character, you must go with Willem Dafoe. See, that's funny because people are like begging for Tobey Maguire. I know. They really want, they're like, oh, Electro's coming back. Let's, if we're doing Spider-Verse, let's do this. Bring us Tobey. Let's do this. I totally agree. I totally agree. What would be awesome is now that you have all these characters is if the Spider-Man movies, you've had Avengers and you've had, uh, you know, uh, civil war and Endgame and all that. But over here, Spider-Man should give us secret wars. Okay. That's where we should go with Spider-Man where Dr. Strange takes us to this void, to this like area where, you know, the cosmos has pulled these mighty heroes and villains together and they must do some kind of yes, ultimate battle. Cool. Yep. So I'm hoping that maybe they, someone's got that in their mind somewhere yep. along the line, but I'm, I'm going to admit, you know, and I think I'm a pretty well-versed guy in comics and everything else. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, no. I think like everyone's putting a positive spin, like, oh, we're getting Spider-Verse. We're going to get, yeah. you know, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire and all these right. people back somehow. And it's funny because DC is trying to do the same thing with their, their yeah. multiverse in their right. movies, but it looks like Marvel is going to beat them to the punch 
obviously again, better, again. With, with their own thing that they've yeah. been trying to push. Um, but the slight worry I think that I kind of have and that other people are having is that they're somehow going to use this multiverse stuff as a way to push out um, Tom Holland's Spider-Man if there's not going to be a re-up on the deal between Sony and Disney. So yeah. this is how they write out him, Sp- to- uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man from yeah. the MCU, which would obviously be devastating. I mean, yeah. you get the hope like, oh my God, Doctor Strange is going to be in this one. Like, why would they continue to right. use people like Tony Stark and all that in more Spider-Man movies if they're planning on not continuing with Disney. But then at the same time, you're like, oh no, there's all this multiverse stuff. Could be great, but there's that slight chance that they're using it for no good. Which I'm sure is what will happen because they've got a golden goose, so naturally they've got to kill it. Um, but again, like J. Jonah Jameson is back same actor he's got a bald head maybe you know it's like well this is the jay jonah of this world and that was the jay jonah of that world but they look alike and blah 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 bringing toby mcguire in would be nice um electro is just not you know just like as we said in the last episode you get your money's worth from jamie fox but we don't need that character like, we just don't need it. No, of, of course not. But th- then again, like, uh, I feel very confident just the fact that Marvel is involved, mm-hmm. that it, it, it'll be good. They, they've it'll got something good. good planned. They haven't given me enough yet where I can render an opinion and see where the story's going. I don't see how the multiverse necessarily serves the purpose of the larger avengers world so like everything brought us to Endgame because we were dealing with the mad titan thanos and now that's done right hella is gone we think we assume so hella has gone if asgard's gone and you know thor is essentially not being thor anymore and they're handing it over to female thor and everything's changed like there's no longer they need to quickly come up with a common villain, a cosmic common villain. Right. I don't know if Galactus is going to be enough to bring everybody together. If you do Galactus, you get Silver Surfer out of the deal. Um, That's so true. That might be a nice thing. It's a new character. Uh, Adam Warlock. We saw his cocoon. We saw him. I don't know if they're ever going to do anything with them, but right. we saw him. But you so you need the the villain has to be cosmic. So whatever they do in Spider Man, it's got to play cosmically. It's got to be like a an outer space, a villain of all worlds, not just a villain of Earth. Right. Because it's and they've screwed themselves now because essentially, what villain could the Avengers not handle? And you, you can only get away with like, oh, well, the, he's off world, you know, that excuse for so long. Because now there's nowhere to be off world. There's no Asgard. So he's got to be there. Uh, Captain Marvel can be off world doing her thing. 
But, you know, I hope she stays off world forever because I, I didn't care for her. Well, we're definitely getting a Captain Marvel too. So. Oh, <laughs> unnecessary. I will, I will not be going to see that. I mean, I will because I'll see all the Marvel movies. Hopefully she, they, they uh, do a nice turnaround with that. Do you want to know series. where – is that what, – what actress is that? Uh, Brie Larson. Brie Larson. Let me tell you, the last time Brie Larson was remotely interesting on camera, it was her one-episode stint in Community as Abed's love interest. Yeah, she was good in that. Brie Larson was good in in some stuff. She was good in that. She was good in um, she was good in Twenty One Jump Street. Outrageous. She she that was a funny movie. She was good in that. She was good. There was a movie. Um, it was like an indie movie called uh, Short Term 12 uh-huh. that I enjoyed that she was in. That was her and uh, well, Rami Malik was yeah. in it as well. Okay. Well, um, it's an aptly named film because my enjoyment of her was short termed. Yes. Okay. Well, that's, that's she. Fine does nothing on camera to pop. They spent $300 million on a film where your lead is less interesting than everything else that's happening in the film. Yeah. I'll, we'll, we'll see what happens yeah. with Robert Captain Downey Marvel Jr. Too, but yeah. Robert Downey Jr. could be unconscious. But here's even better. Robert Downey Jr. was dead and not on camera in Spider-Man and still thrilling and more interesting than Brie Larson was in the movie about her as the lead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could go down a whole rabbit hole of the problems that, that arise with Captain Marvel um, and everything going on with that. Um, Because I, I kind of, if there's one aspect of the, the marvel movies that they dropped the ball on i it's probably captain marvel and how they used her and you know she was supposed to be a big part of the um of end game and she wasn't and i i, I don't know i, I think they kind of they dropped the ball on that one they did um but they've right. consumed the last decade of our life uh, superhero movies the last 10 years absolutely so if the multiverse is going to bring back everything or introduce X-Men and all this other stuff and we yeah. get all the different things, all well and good because That's they right. need to do, they need to have a new thread that goes through these films. Yeah. Listen, I, I trust, I trust Marvel and, yeah. and Kevin Feige and, and what they're going to do. And I'm sure they have a great plan for X-Men. They have a great plan for t- Fantastic Four. Um, and they're going to be able to smoothly integrate even more people into this universe, especially as they've now lost Captain America and lost Iron Man. Yep. But I don't think they're going to skip a beat. And if you know what they've earned to have a stinker or two, yeah, yeah, you're right. They, they've, they've earned yeah, it. Like earned as, it. with all of the quality movies, I, I can only really name maybe three or four out of misses. twenty Marvel movies yeah. that I didn't really care for. 
And even then, like I sat through them and it was fine. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all right. Before we get into the final portion of our podcast, very quickly, looking forward to next week, just some stuff coming out. Uh, it's a bit of a quiet week. So we've got um, on Friday, uh, October 16th, we've got Trial of the Chicago 7 coming yeah. out on Netflix, written by Aaron Sorkin. Um, Starring Sasha Baron Cohen, um, you have Eddie Redmayne, you have um, you have Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you have Yahya Abdul-Mateen. I actually said his name correctly. Yeah, Jeremy yeah. Strong, uh, Michael Keaton. Yep, a lot of people in this movie, and it's an Aaron Sorkin movie yes. in taking place in a courtroom. Which so you know it's going to be good. Yes. Um, so he, I'm I'm so excited for that. The cast is amazing. I'd watch uh, Michael Keaton read the phone book, and Aaron Sorkin of Sports Night of West Wing fame of just his. It's like word porn. It's like whatever he writes is, it just it drips with goodness. Like you just want to keep listening. He's like David Mamet. David Mamet uses much more curse words. He, you know, his films like um, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, mm-hmm. but they're very talky films. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and but it's good. It holds you. He's and the king of dialogue. King of dialogue. And historically, it's a very interesting and and historically rich topic. Mm-hmm. So, so this this good. might be some, you know I think this might be a little bit if things weren't happening the way that they're happening right now in the world, I think this would be a little bit bigger of a, a uh, deal. Yeah. of a deal because it would probably be getting a lot of Oscar buzz and, and all of that, even though we don't know what's going on with the Oscars right now. Um, so this might be something we touch on next episode. Also, we've got premiering on Hulu same day, October 16th is uh, season one of uh, the Marvel TV show Hellstrom. Yes. So I that's not really something that really interests me too much. Um, I don't know if you're going to be checking it out, but it's could be popular. That's going to be one of those where I kind of wait to see what the feedback is on it. Yeah. And then maybe I'll tune into it Ditto. a couple weeks from now. All right. Should we get to our suggestions? Let's our get to our segment. suggestions. And I think we're i guess we can record infinitely because i was worried we were gonna have to take a break Mm. on zoom but it looks like it's still going and i think we've been on for an hour so let's just keep rolling and hope to god that we don't have to re-record anything um all right so last episode we made suggestions for each other yep I, you were, you let me know that you were in for like, kind of like a thrillery type movie. So I had you watch the movie Searching. You are in your glory with the Halloween season and you had me watch Halloween. Yes. Which do you want to talk about first? Okay. I have like a lot. I made a lot of notes as I was watching this movie. So I'll tell you what. 
let's talk about searching first. Okay. Because I love Halloween and we're in the Halloween month. So let's talk, let's close with that. Okay, cool. All right. So let's go and mind you searching. I actually haven't seen it in a while. So, but I'm, okay. I'm still interested in, in your thoughts. So searching comes out to, it came out in 2018. All right. Yes. Which maybe was ahead of its time then, but this movie plays so much better now. In a okay. world of quarantine, in a world of everybody yep. doing Zoom meetings and on the computer and screens, this movie plays perfect now. So for those that weren't with us last week, when you explained it to me, like giving me the heads up on what this movie's about, it and it's tough to explain. It is tough to what explain, they're doing, but a father essentially fears that his child has uh, is has become a missing person. So has to call the cops before he calls the cops. He's texting her. He's FaceTiming her. He's, he's trying to get in touch with her through all these different mediums and eventually calls the police. The, you know, there are scenes where people are with him and where he's outside, but it plays as though you're seeing that through his computer screen. Like someone's talking right. to him, they're in their kitchen, but it's through the surveillance camera on his house. It's through the, you know, the it's all through the various computer, technology. Right. Yep. So you have to, in, tw- in 2018, I'd have to get over, suspend the disbelief that why would I be FaceTiming anyone, especially a police officer? I'm going to call this person and say, I need help right now. I need you to meet me here. Yeah. You know, to be walking and FaceTiming, ridiculous. Today, this movie plays really, really well. Like this should be on a streaming platform right now. It should be on all the streaming. It would be, I, I, that's a a great point. I think it would be a huge hit right now. So ultimately I really enjoyed this movie. I think it was about about 15 minutes longer than it needed to be. Yes. Okay. It was an hour and like 40 minutes. Didn't need to be that long because there was a lot of, and again, it's hard to explain where you can't see us and like over this, you know, podcast platform, but there's a lot of just scrolling. There's a lot of him doing searches for his daughter, like searching Reddit, searching yep. um, screencast, searching uh, her Facebook page. So there's a lot of quiet time in the film where you just see the cursor and her name and her friends and him clicking on and him things, clicking and, things and searching. you're seeing the text yeah. exchanges rather than hearing right. people talking and FaceTiming right. and stuff like that. So you got to get used to that. Also, the movie opens with the child or with his missing daughter as a child. Eventually, yes. she goes missing in her late teens. So the film opens with Windows XP and yeah. then progresses to Apple. Mm-hmm which I thought was kind of like, oh, okay, I get that. Like, oh, this must have been early aughts, early 2000s. Now we're in 2018 and he's got an Apple computer and blah, blah, blah. So that was like, that was a fun, interesting thing to watch. Uh, how much money do you think they either paid or got paid to use all those logos, to use Windows, to use Apple, to use- Did you look this YouTube, up or are you just use- curious? I'm curious because I did do a little, I ran the numbers on their uh, budget. 
Well, like, their budget was probably not peanuts. that much. Peanuts. Yeah. Less than a million. Um, it was 880000 How much was it? $880,000. You're so going to puke when you find out how much it made worldwide. How much it made worldwide? Yes. I would say it made, let me guess, internationally. 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 To date. To date. Yeah. All right, so you're not talking just box office. You're talking overall? Yeah, overall. I'm going to say... How much would this movie have made? Let's say a hundred million. All right. Close. Wow. 76 million, 75 okay. million. I wasn't too over. You yeah, weren't too over. That's a great like, profit right there. That is, this might be the most Some profitable movie in the last 20 years. <laughs> yeah. That's a great market. Let's say you double it. Let's say we go from 800,000 to a million. You double it for like uh, your budget of your, your media budget. Yeah. Right. Yep. So now you got two million dollars. You this still made paid seventy times, months. basically. You made so seventy times your money. John Cho never has to do another Star Trek movie in his life if he doesn't want. <laughs> that was like this is the this is the, I, the best payday ever. Anyway, so they definitely must have gotten. You know, they had to get all these people to agree, these companies to agree to be in it. You know, it's basically a commercial for technology. So I like that. Um, they created empathy for the mother because they, they had to, you know, contrive a reason for this father to be overbearing, for him to be so involved yes. in his daughter's life. So they kill off the mother. You see that. Oh, through. and that was devastating. That was sad. That, that, was, was, a that was tough. Um, it's, it's, she gets very short with her dad so that you're, you're, she's creating this image of like, maybe this, this kid isn't really who we think she is, which is a whole theme. Like, you know, you won't, you don't really know your daughter. She's supposed to be going to these piano lessons. Right. She's not, she's pocketing the money. She's not who we think she is. Did she run away? Did she get kidnapped? Is she dead? Is she, you know, did the father drive her away? Like there's a lot at play. They mm -hmm. handle it well. They, you know, they move it along. Um, he's incredibly well organized, given oh, his yes. computer screen. Um, but I found that this movie was really accessible for non-technological -techn people. Like, I'm not a tech guy. Yeah. But it held me. Like the thriller Absolutely. nature of it all. They did. Me. And yeah, we're going to actually, it, because we're going to be talking about Halloween, we're going to be talking a lot about suspense. Yes. And they really did a great job of using the technology like as a way to create suspense. Like you mentioned how you see a lot of him actually doing searches or you right. only see like text threads that you're following along with or whatever it is right like that was weirdly like a great tool that they were able to use as yes. a way to pace it out so that you're kind of like on your the edge of your seat like what are they gonna find and what are they gonna see, reveal right. next you see him type things and then there's a beat and then he deletes it and then he types something else mm -hmm. so like 
you know, yeah, that was a good tool. That was a good way to say it. It was a good tool. Nothing to more sus- suspenseful than seeing those three dots someone's yeah. about to text you and then it goes away. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> what were they going to say, Neil? Absolutely. John Cho, excellent addition to any film. So we, the world was introduced to John Cho as the MILF guy in the first, one of two MILF guys in the first American Pie. Mm-hmm. Okay. They, the world, so we credit American Pie and him with introducing the world to that word um, right. or that acronym. So from there, he expands, you know, he becomes uh, one half of Harold and Kumar. Yep. Goes on to be in Star Trek, has a series of like shorter or a series of less successful box office films but that he's good in and then he circles back around to his roots and is an american reunion excellent actor the surprise deborah messing uh grace yeah will and grace she was good she was very good and that was the big twist yes so spoiler alert one two three she's the culprit she has yes. a child who the word catfish which is like someone is not being someone that they're pretending mm-hmm. to be someone they're not online, luring another person in. Catfish is John Cho's daughter because he's like, you know, a shy kid and likes her. And then he goes to confess it, freaks her out. She takes off down a mountain and falls. And then he calls his mother, who happens to be a cop, and tries to cover it up. Yep. Excellent twist. Excellent twist. Yeah. And once the twist is revealed, some of her behavior makes a lot of sense. It makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Yeah, She's like, "Uh, you know, don't get involved. Why are you there? Don't go there. I'll meet you there. Stop being like that kind of stuff. It makes perfect sense. So I think it was really, really good. You did an excellent job. Thank you. Of recommending this movie. I enjoyed myself. Do I think I'm going to put it in my rotation of yearly viewings? No. No. Because it's, it's not something that you need to. It was just, it's, it's a good movie, but it's not one, like, right. especially once you know what the twist is, why, why are you going to yeah. watch the movie again? Well, you know what? Like, it's like, I'll watch Scream, and I know the ending of that. Yeah. But that's but more of a, that's like an that iconic again. movie. It's an iconic movie. Yeah. This, the novelty has worn off. Like it was perfect for me to watch it now mm-hmm. for the first time, given what's going on in the world. Uh, but now that like, you know, but I don't need to watch that screens and everything else again. Um, but the, the last thing I wrote as I made my note was like the deep, deep cyber stalking that is possible. Yeah. And that, and that was in 2018. Now, that everybody's life is online. Like I said, it just plays so much better because like, I, I didn't even know some of these things were possible. So just so deep, deep. If you are a cyber person, if you are a tech person, this is the film for you because you're going to recognize everything that I needed explained to me. Yeah. And you're, it's just, it's, it's, it, it will hold you. If you can get through the like 15 extra minutes that you don't need, it will hold you. It will yes. get you to the Agreed. end. Agreed. Agreed. 
All right, so let's turn our attention yes. to 1978's Halloween and your reactions. Halloween. Yes. So this is, I know this is your bread, this is your baby. It's my baby. I did what you said. Yeah. My wife went to bed. <laughs> it was dark. <laughs> I didn't have anything else going on. Right. All I had was myself on the couch with my iPad, and I was taking notes on my phone. That was it. Before you uh, – now, did that have an effect? Absolutely. I, okay. It even had more of an effect because, because I was watching it on my iPad – Right. If I looked up past the iPad because it was dark everywhere else yeah. and my eyes weren't adjusted, I couldn't see <laughs> anything else in the room. So that just made right. it that much more terrifying. Um, I okay. So there's a lot of aspects to this. I do not enjoy horror films, especially like this. If I watch a horror film, yeah, and I tend to enjoy ones that are more in the thriller realm yeah. than they are in the realm of, frankly, there's a person just killing people. Mm-hmm. And that's the purpose of the movie. There's no right. like slasher. mystery to who's yeah. doing it or anything like that. It's just a slasher. People are getting killed. Um like I, I tend to, I just don't enjoy that type of movie. It's not really my thing. Like I don't re- really get it. But that being said, if there is a movie that did it perfectly. It was this. Like if there yes. was a movie where first of the slashes, like I could appreciate what they were doing. It was this movie because it wasn't just like there's a bunch of blood and guts and a bunch of people are getting killed and stuff like that. This was more of, let me show how good I am. Like John Carpenter, let me show you how good I am at making you feel suspense. Literally you don't get like you get the first kill in the beginning when he's, when he's a child Mm -hmm. and then you don't get the next kill until another hour into the movie and 45 minutes of that hour is in the daylight you get a ton yes he's yeah. it's in the daylight and stuff like that and then you right. get like the the kill that happens that takes like half an hour yep. before that happens like john carpenter is anything but patient well said he is so patient yeah i actually not well said because the way i said that anything <laughs> but he's is patient He's patient. He's a patient man. He's a patient, patient man. Yes. And through that patience, he was able to just build suspense and suspense. And suspense. At, at one point, I was like rooting for him. Just kill this girl already. Yeah. Just do right. it. I just, do I, it. I don't want to sit through this anymore <laughs> of wondering when it's going to happen. Just, just be over. let it happen. Kill her. Um, yeah. So... Listen, I, from that aspect, like, I had to appreciate it. 
while it's not my cup of tea, I could appreciate it and understand the impact, one, that this had on the future of any film like this. Um, and the kind of the, the influence that the movie took from older movies like the Alfred Hitchcock movies and stuff like that of just being able to build that suspense. Um, uh, again, like while I was terrified, I enjoyed like, because you know, I'm ridiculous when yes. watching horror movies. Like I'm like the person shouting at the people, what are you, yeah. doing? What are you doing? Um, so like I was basically doing that through my notes my god like my outlet was right. literally i was writing the most ridiculous stuff like at Why? one point like even starting off in the beginning i was i was writing down f this music <laughs> seriously oh, the music I, the music is the music is unbelievable that's right. half the reason why you're afraid he composed it just from the john music carpenter alone yeah um so you have just that combination of the music and then just sitting there and waiting and waiting and he's there and he's toying with you. It's like Michael Myers is toying with all the people that are in the film while John Carpenter is toying with all of us watching. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's, that's ultimately what I thought about it. I have feelings about Dr. Loomis. Dr. Loomis played by Donald Pleasance. And a Shakespeareanly trained English actor of incredible fame is in this low budget 70s horror film. I think he's the best part of the movie. What do you think? I thought he was the worst part of the movie <laughs> because he is, his character is a complete idiot. <laughs> he's a he's a doctor. Yeah, he's a doctor. I don't know how he's a moron so first of all they show up yeah at this psychiatric hospital right, right. where there's the big um escape there's yes. a bunch of crazy people out on the lawn and he's right. like let me leave this my partner get out of the car go check out the broken fence like that's gonna tell him something right. meanwhile so the, the lady he's with, she's in the car. Yeah. Hears Michael Myers crawl up onto the roof. Yeah. And she opens the window. This is... That so was she's a the fool. terrible move. Oh, my God. Yeah, but he was like... Left well, you never her. get out of the car. You never Don't get out, get out, of, out of, the of the car. Never. And then the car gets stolen. Yeah, and so he's like looking for michael myers right you know he's gonna go back to his old childhood home yes you don't call the authorities until later in the morning the next day right then your first stop isn't to michael myers old childhood home your first stop is to the graveyard where the mother was buried don't know why you needed that other than to see that he stole the tombstone or whatever. Yeah. He doesn't get to Michael Myers house until later that night when he was already gone. He would have, he would have caught him right there. 
Right. And then, not only that, but the amount of times his car drove right by him and he didn't see it is ridiculous. Yes, he's hiding in plain sight. He's sitting there. And then uh, the here's the other critique I had was, what were the logistics of this town? <laughs> okay, what do you mean? Because, so Jamie Lee Curtis and the the uh, her friend. Yeah. Drive around for however long. Right. Until they get to the homes of the children that they're going to babysit. Well, it's the 70s. When they they're start driving, it's light out. Yeah. When they get there, it's dark. <laughs> so it seems like it was a far, far away place. Uh-huh. But Michael Myers follows them, right? Mm-hmm. In his car. In the, the psychiatric ward car. Vehicle, yeah. Dr. Loomis is standing outside of Michael Myers' house for however long, right? Right. All night. And then towards the end, sees the car across (laughs) the street, down the block. So he, the Myers' house was down the block the entire time. And so was the car. And he's sitting there all night and he doesn't see it until the very end. Like that confused me. He was like, all of the a sudden around. He, wasn't he was down the, the block the entire time. He was all driving of this craziness was happening. All this craziness. Forget the car and the daylight. I'm and just the saying he's right? an idiot. Oh my god. That's what. I, that's all I'm saying is he's that like a tortured Dr. man. Lewis, at the end, the reason why he goes and knows where Michael Myers is is because yeah. he sees the car down the block. Mm-hmm. But he had been standing outside for hours while Michael Myers is torturing and killing people down the block. Well, oh, he's standing on the porch. He comes off the porch to talk to the cop because the cop says, enough, I'm not going to stay here. I got other stuff I got to do. He was it's in only the when bushes. he gets to the sidewalk. He was in the bushes. All right, the bushes. Close to the sidewalk. Yes, that's how you can look to the left and right and find the car. I know, but why did it? T- so why didn't that happen sooner? It took him. A- it took hours before there. he realized his car was oh there, God. the whole time. Listen, listen, and then he's like, he's like, I spent ten years trying to rehabilitate him. Then I spent the next thirty years trying and to keep him getting out. And he failed doing that. But he knew that. He's like, I spent the next 10 or 20, 30 years trying to keep him in prison. Anyways, he's useless. You're ridiculous. He's useless and doesn't even kill him at the end. Yeah, but tries, though. He tried his hardest. Sword tries. Didn't work. Um, So, yeah, those were my feelings on on him. (laughs) Just uh, good movie, but that, that portion just made no sense. So, good movie, you feel... I listen, I'm like I didn't enjoy it by but I enjoyed it. Like I okay. don't like being scared. So I did not enjoy that aspect of it, but I could appreciate it for what it was. So like and I enjoyed like making myself laugh with like my reactions. Yeah. So like Fair. that part I enjoyed. So like it's not a movie that I'm ever going to watch again. Okay. Like, it's just, you know, 
just because it's not for me it's not that movie but it deserves the praise that it gets and i understand the impact Mm -hmm. that it has in the cinematic world like i get it so like it uh, i so if you guys don't know you can follow me on um letterboxd the the movie app because my new thing the past few months has been every time i see a movie i mark it in letterboxd and i do a little review you could follow me at saxman174 um anyways because i'm gonna get so many followers right (laughs) um but i did do a, a review and i have my you know, five star, my scientific five star system. And this was weird because like my five star system is based on like, if I enjoyed the, if I liked the movie or not. Right. But this was a weird, like I did, but I didn't situation, but it's like impactful. So I did give it four and a half out of five stars. Wow. A horror film gets four and a half stars from Chris. Yes, I love it. it des- I feel vindicated. It deserved it. Feel good for what it did, and mm-hmm. the you know from a technical aspect, and you know how it was made, and and all yeah. that stuff, and all the tools that it First used. Of its like, kind. That's what it deserved. Slasher film does it right. I love it. I think that's great. So, I don't know how many more of those I can take, but. <laughs> Let's get into this week's suggestions. All right. Do you, since you just went, do you want something in the same vein? Like, I'm going to give you, uh, you know, it's got to be Halloween. I told you. For this month. It's fine. All right. Do you want something in the same vein? Or do you want something a little more lighthearted? I don't know what your definition of lighthearted when it comes to Halloween movies is going to actually be. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, I don't really like, we can do it. I just don't know. <laughs> like you it's, could do something in the same vein. I don't yeah. know how, like how not harsh I'm going to be. Not harsh like you'll be harsh i'm sure i'll tell you what we're gonna do all right do whatever you feel like that i will do for for the podcast and for our listener for the podcast here all right so here are your i'm gonna give you an option okay let's do it all right so you have halloween halloween comes out all right okay then you get a group of financiers, a group of people that want to capitalize on the slasher franchise, or rather the slasher genre that has just been created. Okay. And they're like, oh, we're going to do this ourselves. But they intentionally set out to rip off Halloween. Right. And in the process of ripping off Halloween, they create a franchise that ends up with more... Uh, installments yeah then halloween i'm obviously talking about friday the 13th. friday the 13th yes so 
the first one, classic. Okay. All right. And there's a twist. Okay. Okay. But, but it's a, it's what you just watched on steroids. Right. Or I can give you a palate cleanser for the week. Okay. And then, and then hit you with Friday the 13th or something more horrific next week. Okay. But the palate cleanser is a film with the dark arts, okay? Okay. Witchcraft. Okay. Bruce Willis. Oh, okay. Goldie Hawn. (laughs) All right. And America's lovable actress sweetheart with the most Oscar nominations, or as I like to say, most losses, Meryl Streep. Why, am I, why is it not connecting what movie this is? Because this is so obscure okay. and ridiculous that it's one of those things where it's like, it's, like, it's like platform nine and three quarters. You only know it's there if you know it's there. <laughs> what, what are we talking it's called Death Becomes Her. Okay. I am gonna I'm gonna save my palate cleanser. Oh, okay. And I will do Friday the thirteenth. I'll I'm save so the palate cleanser because I feel like I could do another one and get through it nice. this week, okay? Yeah. Before I have a nervous break. <laughs> so I'm like, proud of you, boy. I'll do the two weeks in a row up front. As opposed to front loaded, okay. Um, so I'll do it, and I love it. Hopefully, Friday the Thirteenth sounds ridiculous enough. It's so that well, I'll, yeah. yeah, I'll we'll see what happens. Um, all right, keep your eye open for a very young actor who's going to go on to have an extraordinary career. This is his first um, credited film role. We'll see if I can uh, pin Spot. down who it is. Yeah. We'll see if I, if, if I notice. Don't IMDB at first. I won't. I won't okay. look. I won't do any of that. I'll just, I'll watch it and I'll see if I, or, or is it like a small role or are they one of the main people? One of the main people okay. and iconic scene in the film. Gotcha. Um, all right. Your turn. What do you got for me? So, Again, like I've got a list that I'm st- that I'm I've started right. for stuff that eventually I think you might like watching. Right. Um, I don't know if you're in the mood for anything right now. You're definitely in your horror world. I am. Um, I don't know if you want to continue that. If you need, like, again, where I come in, I could be the palate cleanser guy. You want something <laughs> different? Um, I know this. Last week, we went with searching because you were more feeling like, let's go with a thriller. You'll save your palate cleanser for later in the month. Right. Um, what are you kind of feeling like right now? I am inspired by your um, courage and willingness to uh, continue in your horror theme. So give me what you think is the most interesting of your choices. Like I'm ready to take whatever your top pick is. Okay. 
So I'm I'm thinking I might stick with a a theme and stay okay. kind of in again like my version of the horror realm which right. is more like suspense thrillery type deal yeah. um and I don't know if you watched this yet so we might cut this portion because you might have watched it okay it is a television show interesting it was on hbo it's possible i watched it a show based on a stephen king novel right called the outsider no i have not watched it okay so this was a great show Okay. Again, it's based on a Stephen King property. So it's not like terrifying, but it it does fall in that horror thriller realm. And there are some like scary elements to it. I think like I'm giving you a lot of like binge worthy shows. You Mm -hmm. are going to one. I think you're going to love it Two, I think you're going to just binge straight through it. Okay. Um, not only did I watch this show every week, but my wife watched it with me. Interesting. Which is very shocking because she doesn't like anything like anything bad. Like if I'm watching an action movie, she thinks the people fighting are being mean to each other. Like <laughs> that's what we're talking here. And she watched this with me. That's how good it was. Um, <laughs> It's got Ben Mendelsohn. Um, it's got it's got so many people. It's got a ton of people, familiar people that you're gonna know. Okay. Um, I think you're really, really gonna like it. How many episodes? Like, what am I? What, I how do I need to? There were this ten out? episodes. Okay. Forty-five um, minutes. Yeah, like forty to an hour. Okay. Episode uh, and. Um, you don't have to watch the whole season, but you know, right, but get, a, your get, feet a in, get a feel for it. Get a feel it. for it. I just think once you watch it, you're gonna fly through it. Okay. Personally, um, so that is my that's my recommendation this week is The Outsider on HBO HBO Max. You can watch it wherever wherever you stream HBO. You can watch it there. I like it. I can right. get involved in that. The Outsider. I'm a huge Stephen King fan. I think his stuff is best when it's uh, spread out across miniseries, like when he did The Stand and a few other things. I so I'm in. I'm I'm excited. They did a really great job with this. Like we were, like I'm interested to see how you're gonna feel about it because again, we were watching it weekly, which I think made it. I, I think that was an advantage for it, watching it weekly. I don't know the anticipation. how bingeable it is, but okay. at the same time, like if we could have watched a bunch of episodes in a row, we would have. Um, so, anyways, that's my recommendation. The Outsider, um, I think you're really going to like it. And I will watch Friday the 13th. Yes. And I won't really like it, but that's fine. <laughs> you're, you're gonna experience it that's what i'll it's experience about. it and it's it's 
It's for you. Um, and for the listener. The, That's right. For the edification of our listeners. For, for, for the soul listener. Yes. The Thanks, mom. Education. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for us for this week. Next week, yeah. look out for our continuation of our Mandalorian rewatch leading up to the new season at the end of the month. We've got episodes five and six that we're going to be watching. We've got our suggested, uh, our suggested for yous that we're going to be watching. Neil is going to watch The Outsider. I'm going to watch Friday the 13th. And then we're probably gonna talk about the chicago seven the new movie coming out on netflix next week too i'll definitely be tuning into that so and and then we'll bring back hopefully next week we won't be so jam-packed that we'll be able to bring back some of our fun segments maybe come up with some some cool games yeah i'm all in and check us out anywhere that you can stream podcasts as well as on glued to the screen that is glued the number two the screen.com yes. um signing off thank you guys again for listening wherever you are listening please like subscribe download rate and review all that crap and uh what are the magic words neil stream on